Hello, my sweet friends and beautiful listeners. Welcome to part two of this episode on guilt and shame. Last week I spoke about guilt and I kind of broke down the what I see that guilt is and how I believe it kind of functions and whether I think it's good or not. And I promised that this week I would speak about shame. And I also said that I really felt like I needed the time to kind of look into shame because uh, after a conversation that I had last week with someone about it, I realized that shame is a, re a, a core component. Um, it's, an, it's an instrument, it's material that I work with so much uh, in my own process and in the process with other people. And yet I haven't really taken the time to kind of, um, yeah, break it down also and look at it mm, from a more conceptual place. And I really like doing that. So I thought it would be a good idea to do it now. But it took me all week. Uh, I just kept kind of thinking about it and the answers just kind of kept slipping through my fingers. I felt very empty handed and um, I was amazed at how, yeah, how challenging it was to kind of, it is to kind of pinpoint shame, um, yeah, the dynamics of it, the mechanics of shame, but today uh, it kind of came to me, I feel, I feel like I have a tiny little, very small grasp, but still on, um, on what it is and what I can say about it. So I'm going to talk to you about it. Um, I want to start by mentioning again, I talked about this person last week, um, Brene Brown, who is a beautiful, amazing woman, quite famous online, who talks a lot about the human experience and who has really thoroughly, scientifically studied it, human emotions and the human experience, and who knows a lot about guilt and about shame. And I want to talk about her because in the videos that I've seen of her and the things that she's written that I've read, you know, not that I've read everything that she's written or anything, I've, I've read a few things. Um, she, I really like the, um, the description that she has, both of guilt and shame. They resonate very well with me and also uh, they're the result, again, of um, very profound study research that she's done so yeah so i wanted to mention her and to remind you that her definition and i'm paraphrasing of shame as opposed to guilt is um the essential the sense that we are essentially inadequate so guilt is kind of the the sense that we have done something wrong and shame is just kind of the sense or the impression that we are essentially, fundamentally, in our beings, wrong. And um, that, of course, and she talks about it and explains it too, is the, this sense is the breeding place of tremendous suffering and destruction and very, very uh, detrimental kind of behaviors, self-destructive behaviors and behaviors that are destructive towards others as well. Which makes sense, right? Because if we feel like we're completely es essentially inadequate, um, then we're going to believe truly that we don't belong, that we are not worthy of love, that we are broken beyond repair. You know, that's what uh, that's what the sense of being essentially inadequate uh, is, I believe. 
But I kind of wanted to look a little bit more into that and uh, again see how it's kind of structured and I discovered something interesting and, and so I want to tell you about it. Mm. When this person asked me in the conversation that I had, when she said because I was in a, giving a workshop and I was explaining that shame, shame is bad, <laughs> it's not a healthy thing for us and uh, basically what we want to do is kind of address that shame and kind of lift peel off the layers of shame that we have and that's part of like the healing process and so this person asked me but can you maybe develop a little bit on how to do that and I was left kind of speechless and then and then I realized and I remembered again Brene Brown and other people that have said you know the the antidote to shame is bringing bringing our truth to the light and talking and communicating about it and kind of connecting with other people not letting not letting ourselves in our pain and our suffering and our shame kind of be in a state of isolation because it's like uh, that's yeah, that's when that's when it becomes more powerful. So I do think I still believe that that is uh, absolutely logical, but I think there's a little bit more to it. So as I was thinking about shame, I kind of reached the conclusion that shame is the clash or the dissonance that there is between a core value that we have been taught from the outside world and an inner truth that kind of comes to comes from deeper within that contradicts that core value uh, and the core value doesn't mean necessarily you know something that's objectively good it's just something that we've been taught um, is going to validate our being and our person and this value can be overt and it can be covert meaning it can be something that's openly spoken about and it can be something that isn't said but it's kind of implied and still very very strong so i can give you an example of both uh, an overt value would be for example in a very uh, traditional religious community uh, the, the the notion that being gay is wrong it's a sin right and this is something that we all know uh, exists and it's been very common and uh, thankfully I, I think it's uh, I mean I'm not an expert but I think it's it's gradually changing um, hopefully but anyways this has been something that uh, has caused has been the source of a lot of suffering for for gay people and for the LGBT community Mm, the fact that it's been overtly kind of uh, not implied but just said plain and simply that being gay is just wrong and it's a sin in the eyes of God. So I can't even begin to imagine uh, the level of suffering that someone who loves religion and who comes from a very religious background uh, and who is gay, what they can be you know, experiencing and feeling. So that's an example of an overt value that is kind of instilled in us, uh, usually, of course, at a very young age, from the outside world. It's given to us, it's kind of planted very deep inside us, and then, and then there's like a, a deeper inner truth that clashes with that. Uh, an example of uh, a covert value would be, for example, the sense, the notion that being skinny for women is 
uh, equal to being beautiful and to being lovable and to being successful. Whereas being fat is not. Um, so even though, I mean, you can say that this is something that has been talked about, I can tell you that in my upbringing, uh, of course, there was that conversation, but it was more, you know, it wasn't said so openly. It was more like implied. You need to be skinny in order to be loved and accepted. So that's the exa an example of a kind of covert uh, value and something that's embedded sometimes very, very, very deep within us. Even if sometimes uh, we're aware of the fact that it doesn't really make sense, rationally we can understand that it's, it's, a little, it's fucked up. Uh, not always, but sometimes. Even with that, it's, um, it can be very, very deeply rooted in us and have a very strong effect on us. Mm. So that is the place where I believe shame is born. It's in that, again, that dissonance, that clash between the very powerful core value that has been injected in us from the outside world, uh, this message that has been given to us that we need to adhere to and we need to kind of align with in order to feel like we are lovable and uh, valuable and something that comes from deeper inside that completely contradicts or kind of clashes against that. That's where I believe shame is born. Mm. And it makes sense, right? Because we said that shame is kind of a sense that we are essentially not, not valuable. Because suddenly there's, we have this inner truth that doesn't fit, that doesn't make sense with this external core value that has been um, internalized so deeply and um, I mean that's just so tragic right um, and so I think something else happens when there is that clash or that kind of um, what's the word in English yeah, that um, fissure or that, that gap or is, um, is that something goes into hiding. More often than not, it'll be our inner truth. And we're either going to <clears throat> hide it from ourselves and... Uh, Automatically, when we hide it from ourselves, then we are hiding it from others. Or we're going to not hide it from ourselves, but yes, hide it from others. So one way or the other, we're going to go into a form of hiding. And that's where there's uh, suffering and yeah, trauma. And I do believe that that's, um, that's the place where a lot of addictions are born and, and self-destructive behaviors. Mm and self-hatred, and uh, just a lot, a lot, a lot of pain, because we're not, we're not honoring our essence when that happens. And so logically, I see kind of um, three steps, let's say, or three things that need to happen in order for that shame to finally be lifted and for our healing process to take place. Mm which is kind of like in the reverse uh, 
of what I see happens. So the first thing I think that needs to happen is for us to acknowledge that something is wrong. Whether we're hiding it from ourselves or from others, even when we're hiding something from ourselves, even, even when we're not acknowledging something and we're kind of not admitting it to ourselves, deep, deep down, if we listen, we know that something is wrong. So we need to have that capacity. We need to uh, agree, I would say. Uh, the capacity basically is the agreement Agreeing to acknowledge that something is something is off. Um, that would be the first thing, I think. That we're doing something that isn't good for us. Or that we're behaving in a way that isn't good for us. That something's happening deep down. And we need to agree to kind of admit that. I would say that's the first thing. Um, and that requires vulnerability. A lot of vulnerability, which we spoke about, I think, last week as well. And uh, vulnerability requires being brave because it's scary. It's really, it's a scary thing to do, especially when we've hidden from ourselves or from others for such long periods of time. Kind of acknowledging that there is an inner, deeper truth in us, you know, that our heart has its own truth. It's not always easy to accept. In fact, I think most of the time it's a challenge. Um, so there's kind of that acceptance, I would say, is the number one thing. And then the number two thing would be, yes, as I mentioned in the conversation that I had, starting to bring our truth into the light. Whether we know what it is or not, it doesn't matter, actually. Uh, sometimes it can be very, very clear to us. This is my truth and I need to bring it, out, bring it out and we kind of communicate it. We bring it out in, in the open. We finally allow it to breathe when it's been asphyxiating inside. And sometimes we, we're not so clear about it and we don't know. But we need to agree to kind of bring whatever that is into the light. And we can do it with uh, the help of other people that are in the world that are compassionate and are open and, and have an understanding of these things. Whatever they are. Um, and so they, they enable that space and kind of that, that um, yes, that, that love for all of these inner truths to come out, whatever they are. And once that happens, once we allow it, um, yes, then we can breathe light into the, these new truths or these hidden truths, let's say. And so they, don't, they just don't need to hide anymore and we can start aligning ourselves with what has been inside and that we have been denying one way or another. I would even go as far as saying that the third step that I'm seeing in this reflection is the, and this is, this is the, I would say maybe also the most stubborn part of, the, of this process, is the acceptance of the transformation of our core values, meaning the process through which we no longer accept these initial core values that are harmful to our inner truths as our truths. We no longer accept that, that reality, that message that we're being sent that says, if you're like this, then you're essentially loved and accepted, and if you're not like this, then you're not. We kind of accept to let that go and to embrace a new core reality. And I think that that's something that takes time and takes a lot of uh, experience and takes a lot of compassion and uh, I don't think it's something that happens automatically because core values are, um, 
are very deeply embedded in us. Mm. So, for example, I can say today that, and I and I did always kind of know when I got those messages that said, you're not lovable because, you know, those kind of, uh, again, implicit messages, sometimes even explicit, you're not lovable because you're not thin, you're not skinny. Uh, even though I rationally knew back then that that was fucked up and I still believe that, there is that part of me deep, deep, deep inside that still believes that in order to be loved, I need to be skinny. And and that's okay because I'm not afraid to talk about that anymore. I'm not afraid to do the work with it anymore. I don't see it as a part of me. I don't identify with that value anymore. I just realize that it's very, very, um, it's very, very deep inside me. And so I need to do a lot of work with it and I need to not abandon it, you know? Uh, and that as a way of not abandoning my body, uh, which is begging and has been begging for me to love it. <clears throat> I haven't known how to love my body for most of my life. I've I've detested it, you know, and that's extremely, extremely, extremely violent. And I've been very ashamed of it. So then that's just an example again. And I know that so many people suffer, not just from that, but just in, in so many different ways. Because they're ashamed and they believe that they're yeah, that they're that their truths, that what lies in their hearts is just shit compared to what they've been told they need to be essentially <laughs> so so transforming these values uh, takes time and patience and compassion but i do believe that the more we do it and the more kind of we go into that yeah the more the stronger and more powerful and uh, forgive me for repeating but more compassionate we become and then we can kind of also help others who are needing or desperately seeking for someone again to kind of enable the space for them to lift their shame and bring out their inner truth and see where the clash is between their inner truth and their core the core value that they've been taught or the message that they've been given mm. this is also true for example of sex sexual abuse we are ashamed of abuse that we've experienced um Although again, I, I sense that that's a, that's a whole other conversation, but I think that there's something very similar in the dynamics. It's basically the the clash between something on the outside, uh, an external truth, quote unquote, like a kind of an incontestable truth from the outside world, which is very aggressive and very violent, and that's something that's inside of us and that just really contradicts that. So yeah, the the, the clash and the hiding. And then, of course, the, the just swallowing it all up and believing it. So it's the reverse, as I was saying. Um, accepting, admitting to something not being uh, in harmony. Bringing it out to the light. And, and then allowing the transformation to happen progressively. Yeah, that's it. So I'm going to leave you with that. Um, <laughs> and with that, I'm sending you all my love. Remember that I'm here. I do um, personal sessions uh, in person and, and online as well. Now I started working with couples, which I'm really excited about. But anyway, yeah, I'm just going to leave you with that and send you... 
many, many kisses. Mwah, mwah, mwah. <laughs> and wish you a beautiful night or day. <laughs>